Hey ladies, welcome to today's episode where we're going to be talking about five health hacks for women in our forties. I know is, you know, also being in my forties, as we get to this age, our bodies start to change. We may be carrying around a lot more weight than we're used to. We may feel completely exhausted by the demands of motherhood. And now in this age of virtual schooling, I know that self-care and just life in general is just so overwhelming. So today we're going to talk about changes that we can do in our forties that can help preserve our health as we move into our fifties. Hey everyone, welcome to the Whole Health Empowerment Project podcast. I'm your host, Trisha, registered dietitian, nutrition coach. This podcast is for busy women like you with a desire for achieving better whole health balance. In this podcast, you'll learn practical tips to get you started, motivation to keep you inspired, and guest interviews that will empower you to take action. Come join me in failing forward one tiny step at a time into the journey of health, wellness, and self-care. Let's get started. One of the first things that I really want to talk about is getting more sleep. We all know the benefits of sleep, and I know that we all are just trying so hard to make that happen. So I'll remind you all the good things about sleep. Sleep helps us increase our concentration and focus. And just in general, I mean, I know that you probably feel the same way that when you get more sleep, you just are so much better able to make decisions. In general, sleep really supports us in, you know, performing tasks better. And I know that when you feel like you're not getting enough sleep, some things that you may feel are just really irritable and you may have a really difficult time concentrating and making decisions. And it actually too, if you're not getting enough sleep, it puts you really, it puts you at more at risk for getting sick. Typical adults to women tend to require anywhere from seven to nine hours of sleep at night. And I know that even though you feel like it's really hard to get that, there are some things that we can do to make it more of a possibility for us, despite how crazy and difficult life might seem at this time. So one of the first things I'm thinking about when we're talking about getting more sleep is in your room, establish a really comfortable sleep environment. This could include having a dark room, a cool temperature, and minimal noise. Or if you want to, you can put a noise machine on or some kind of meditation app with music. You know, I'm always talking about apps. Another thing is to have a really consistent nighttime routine. You know, wash your face, brush your teeth, put on your PJs. Just have some kind of, you know, routine that you do every single night that kind of starts to put your body in this process of starting to wind down which is the next thing is establish some kind of wind down time. So this could be like journaling, um, how you felt for the day or, you know, writing down some things that you're grateful for. This could be reading a book before you go to bed. This could be doing a little bit of meditation 
or even just a little bit of stretching. Another thing is to really just put all electronics away at least an hour before you go to sleep. And the last thing is to avoid anything that can disrupt sleep cycle. So that is try to avoid caffeine, try to avoid alcohol, try to avoid nicotine for those of you who smoke. You know, alcohol, you know, people say, oh, that puts me to sleep. But, you know, I think we all know for most of us that drinking alcohol at some point in the night, you may wake up and not actually get really restful sleep. And for others, it may be caffeine. So, you know, limiting how much caffeine that you're having right before bed. And for some of you, you may even need to avoid caffeine later, even in the day to make sure that it doesn't keep you up at night. Another theme besides getting more sleep that I want to talk about that can help us preserve our health as we get into our fifties is avoid becoming dehydrated. So I know this is, this is a big one for, for most of us. An adult woman's body is made up of like 50 to 60% of water and water is required for every cell tissue organ for everything in our body to function. And so having water in our body helps regulate body temperature. It helps get rid of waste. And it actually even helps like in digestion and giving our skin like a nice, healthy, healthy glow. So when we talk about avoiding becoming dehydrated, what does that mean? How much water or fluids we need to take in every day? Well, the answer to that is very varied. It's very individualized according to how old you are, how active you are, and your overall lifestyle and also your weight. So typically, if you are somebody who weighs more, you will require more water, right? So for instance, if you're someone who weighs like 225 pounds, because of this extra weight, your body may require you know, something like 10 to 11 cups of water per day. But on the other hand, if you're somebody who's 125 pounds, you may require only seven cups of water per day because you don't have the extra body weight to support needing the extra, the extra fluid that you're having. Now in saying this, there are factors that are going to increase the amount of, of water that you need. And this This can include things like your overall lifestyle, such as how active you are. So if you're somebody who is doing excessive or prolonged exercise, you're going to probably need more fluid. If you're someone who lives in a hot temperature or it's the season of summer where you're, you know, where it is warmer, you probably are going to notice that you're thirstier and that you're going to require more um, fluid intake. If you live at a higher altitude, you may also notice that you require more fluid. And then also other things that may come and go, other factors, such as like if you have a fever or if you have any kind of diarrhea, you're probably going to notice that you may need more fluid during this time. So how do you know if you're drinking enough water and what are some of the the things that you're going to feel? So just in general, if you are like not drinking enough water, you're going to, you're going to know you're going to be maybe like really thirsty. Your mouth can be really dry. You may have some fatigue. You may start to have some headaches. And then the easiest way that you're going to notice is, is that you're, when you look at your urine, it's going to be really dark colored. Because 
the amount of fluid that you need varies according to, you know, each individual. Probably the easiest way to really know how hydrated you are is to check your urine. So you want your urine to be like a pale or clear color, right? If, if you pee and you notice that it's like really dark amber and you feel thirsty, again, that probably means that you're not drinking enough, any, enough fluid and you need to increase your intake that you're, that you're doing. It's just really important to find the right amount that you need because it also is possible to drink too much water. And this can be a really fatal condition. So it's just trying to have that balance of like drinking enough water so that you're hydrated, but then not overdoing it either. So what are some ways that we can do this? Let's talk about that. So first, explore any kind of beverage that you like that can hydrate you. So this could be any kind of like bottled water or sparkling water or water from the tap. It could be any kind of like zero calorie beverage, like crystal light. Start to explore some of those things and see what you like. Again, it doesn't just have to be water. The goal here is to try to increase the amount that you're taking and preferably not have it not be like all caffeinated beverages. If you are someone who doesn't really like water or you're really tired of drinking water, try to add fun things to make it more delicious and just make it more fun. So this could be like adding lemon or lime. You know, for those of you who grow mint, put a little mint in your water. That's actually pretty, pretty nice. You could add cucumbers or oranges or strawberries or kiwi, just some like fun things that you can do to just make it more interesting. You can also, I don't know if any of you all have seen them. They have those pitchers that have like, like the inside that can be taken out of the pitcher, the water pitcher, and you can put some fruit in there. And then as you fill it up, you put that insert back into the water pitcher. And then any of the fruit that you've put in the insert will slowly infuse into the water pitcher. So it gives it a little bit more flavor than just adding a piece of fruit to your actually water cup. Other ways to stay hydrated would be like alternating water with caffeinated beverages. So, you know, you can have caffeinated beverages. It's fine. When we talk about that, we typically mean, you know, beverages like tea and coffee and soda. You can have those, but they're going to probably be more likely to dehydrate you. So if you're drinking these beverages, a way to stay hydrated would be to alternate water with your caffeinated beverages. So if you're drinking coffee in the morning, maybe something like drinking water first thing in the morning and then having your cup of coffee would be something that would keep you a little bit more hydrated than you are now. And then lastly, if you're exercising, you know, you want to try to maintain your hydration during exercise. So a way to do this would be to drink water before you're exercising, during, and then after your exercise. If it's a pretty tough exercise that you're doing or that you've been, or if it's like for over a longer period of time, you may need more water. So it's really important to replace any of the fluid that you lost with, with the physical activity that you're doing. Next, we'll talk about boosting energy levels. Oh, how many of us know 
that feeling of having a midday slump when you just all of a sudden get this overwhelming sense of exhaustion and fatigue. And all you want to do is go home after work and take a nap. It's awful. But, you know, it's hard to do that as busy mamas like us when you know that when you go home, you're still going to have a full night of making dinner and just overall getting our kiddos ready for, you know, the experience of the next day. So what are some things that we can do during the day that will help, you know, the midday fatigue that we may experience? So for one, when we're, you know, when we're eating during the day, eating things that are like really large meals, especially ones that are like high carbohydrate and just load it with fat, that may cause our energy levels to dip. So instead, perhaps choose something like smaller meals and snacks throughout the day. What that will do, well, that will keep our our energy levels a little bit more stable than having the up and down energy that you may feel with those large meals. Engaging in just some kind of physical activity midday may also be something that helps, you know, create a, a consistent boost of energy or just a consistent energy level during the day. And then also what we just talked about, avoid being dehydrated also helps boost your energy levels. When we're, when we feel like we're dehydrated, we also may feel like we're really tired. So avoiding becoming dehydrated is a way that can also, you know, maintain our energy levels during the day. So now that we've talked about, you know, getting more sleep, avoid becoming dehydrated, boosting energy levels. The next two that we're going to talk about is maintaining bone health and then focusing on eye health. So maintaining bone mass is something that's really important for women in our forties. You know, I think that this comes as really shocking, but by the time that we're 30, our bones will be as strong as they ever will be in our life. This is something called peak bone mass. So it typically happens at the end of probably the ends of our late teens and then our early twenties. So by the time we're in our forties, we really start to slowly, slowly lose bone mass. But why does that matter? Why does it matter if we lose bone mass? So why it matters is because not having a lot of bone mass will put us at risk for developing osteoporosis And then overall, as we get older, can lead to having broken bones. As we start to progress towards our 50s, especially after menopause strikes, our bone loss really starts to speed up. So we may have some really slow bone loss in our 40s, but then after menopause, the bone loss starts to accelerate. Some research even suggests that within five to seven years of menopause, we can lose 20% of our our total bone density. It's like shocking. So we want to kind of talk about lifestyle factors will also contribute to poor bone health. And that includes like a diet with too much caffeine or cola. So it's not really just like soda. It's more like brown cola that um, really hinders, it really hinders bone growth. If we're drinking excessive alcohol, This would be like three drinks per day. 
if we are not really doing a lot of exercise, all of those things hinder our bone development. So what can we do to maintain our bone health? First, get enough calcium and vitamin D. Anybody under the age of 50 needs a thousand milligrams of calcium a day and four to 800 IUs of vitamin D daily. What does that mean? Basically, you want to be eating some calcium every day, maybe even like two to three servings a day. So this could be anything in milk products like cheese or yogurt or cheese sticks or sardines, and then also green leafy vegetables. You're also going to get some calcium in your, probably in your, most of you probably should be taking an MVI, which is multivitamin. But if you're not, then you need to probably make sure that you're getting enough calcium from your foods. Again, it's going to probably be two to three servings of calcium per day. And then the other thing that you need with calcium is vitamin D. So vitamin D is helpful because it helps absorb the calcium. So you need vitamin D with the calcium so that it can be absorbed. Vitamin D can be, you can get that from food and you can also get it from sunlight exposure, typically in the summer months. So vitamin D foods are usually like some kind of fatty fish like salmon and tuna. And then you're also going to get vitamin D from fortified milk products or just fortified like you're probably going to get it from like coconut milk and you're going to get it from almond milk. You're going to get it from any product like that. You're also going to get vitamin D from fortified cereals. Another way to get vitamin D is through sunlight exposure, typically in the summer months. For those of you who live in the Northeast, for other people, according to your location, your vitamin D exposure is going to be different. So there may be periods in the year that you may be more at risk for being vitamin D deficient. My guess is that most of you are going to your doctor and they're probably doing a vitamin D test on you. So again, you're going to need about 400 to 800 IUs of vitamin D a day. You're going to get some vitamin D in a multivitamin, but if you're deficient, then you're going to need more than that's in your multivitamin. And you may actually need a supplement according to the amount of sunlight exposure and the atmosphere in which you live. One other thing that you need to do in terms of increasing your bone mass and your bone health is increasing weight-bearing activity. So your bones, like your muscles, get stronger as you work them. So when we talk about weight-bearing activities, we're talking about things where your body and your body weight is working against gravity. That is really important for improving bone health. This could be things like walking, fast walking, jogging, dancing, and then other ways is just even just going up the stairs, yoga, anything where you're going to be using your body weight against gravity. These are the things that are going to help increase your bone mass. And as you move into your fifties, we really want to preserve our bone mass in our forties so that as we move into our fifties, we can really try to slow down the amount of bone loss that we, that we could potentially lose. And lastly, we're going to focus on eye health. Ah. So as we reach our forties, we may notice that we start to squint. We may notice that we have a really hard time reading the small print. 
we may start to have like really dry eyes or even start to see floaters in our vision. Why eye health is important in our 40s is that for some of us, we may even start to become diagnosed with other conditions such as high blood pressure or diabetes. And both of these things will affect our eye health now and will continue to affect our eye health as we get older. I think one of the other things about why eye health is important during this time is that for a lot of us, we're spending a lot of time, especially right now, we're spending a lot of time at home. We're working from home on our computers. We may be on our tablets more, and I'm sure a lot of us are on our smartphones a lot more than we would typically be. And why we worry about electronics is that there is a blue light that's emitted from these and that that blue light can harm our eyes. And so it's not just like that we're being exposed to it. It's that for most of us, especially right now, we are, you know, we are on electronics for a much more prolonged period of time than we typically would be. We might be helping our kids again, being at home on virtual school where typically they would be in a classroom and now here they are on a computer and we might be sitting with them for hours at a time. And we may also be much more in closer proximity to the screens, which could, you know, over time start to harm our eyes. And in general, many of us women spend like five hours a day on electronics or more than five hours a day when the recommendation is much closer to like two hours a day. So what are some things that we can do right now to try to preserve our eyes so that as we, you know, move along in our forties, we can preserve our eye health. So one of the things like we just talked about is screen time and it's, you know, effect on our eyes. So I would say the first thing is to try to limit any screen time, as much screen time as you possibly can. Again, I know this is something really hard to do, especially at a time with coronavirus and all of us, you know, the phones end up being our lifeline. So I'm not saying that, you know, to get rid of our phones, I'm just saying maybe there are some ways that we can minimize the amount that we're on it. So maybe you have like a time or a few hours or, you know, an hour a day that you have like a no phone time. Maybe that's a way that you can decrease some time on our electronics. Another way would be maybe to avoid like having our phones out at dinner or even avoid eating in front of the TV during mealtimes. There's just some simple ways. So there are some foods also that we can eat that can protect our eyes. And for those of us on screen time, it may, some of these foods may actually help filter the blue light. So, you know, the, the most common thing that we're thinking about when we're talking about food and eyesight is carrots. So yes, carrots have lutein. And so yes, carrots and sweet potatoes are something that you can do to help your eyes and keep them healthy. But there's also other things like eating green leafy vegetables like kale and spinach. They're really, really good for your eyes. And having antioxidants, like anything in vitamin C, so that could be like 
orange juices or strawberries or or anything like that. That will help keep your eyes really nice and healthy. And then also eating fish and nuts and legumes. Those two, those three things will also help keep your eyes healthy. Believe it or not, the next thing that helps your eyes is exercising. So how is that even possible, right? Well, exercise helps circulate blood flow to the cells in your body. And that blood flow also is important to get to your eyes to kind of help, you know, keep your eyes really nice and healthy. Another thing that we can do to keep our eyes healthy would be to wear sunglasses. And then lastly, having a regular eye exam. I know for some of us in our forties, we may be a little bit resistant to that, but now, especially if you find yourself starting to squint and, you know, even maybe exploring readers or like those cheap little, and there's no, (laughs) I'm not saying anything against them. There's reading glasses at the supermarket that you find at the pharmacy. Then maybe that's really start time to start thinking about going to see an eye doctor and just, you know, getting your eyes looked at to see if you may need something like glasses. Now that we've talked about these five things, now that we've talked about getting more sleep, avoiding becoming dehydrated, boosting energy levels, maintaining bone mass, and focusing on eye health, you're going to notice that in all of those five things, there are some overlapping themes here that can really help us preserve our health in our 40s as we move into our 50s. Some of those themes are limiting screen time, good nutrition, and having some kind of regular exercise. All of these behaviors are something that's within our control, but I know it may be very hard to practice consistently. But I'm going to remind you that taking any kind of action at all into making these behavior changes is better than taking no action at all. So when you listen to this podcast, just start to figure out where you're at and what tiny changes you want to make and just be consistent with those changes. So even if the change is like, Hey, I'm going to start to wear sunglasses because my eyes are bothering me. That's great. That's wonderful. Just do that change and just be really consistent with it. It's not about being perfect. It's about being 1% better every day so that you can really have the life that you want to have and that really you deserve to have. I want to remind you to be kind to yourself, okay? And I'll see you next week. We'll talk about some more things. If you found value in this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Being a busy woman or mom doesn't mean that we have to give up on our health, wellness, or self-care. Together, we can take tiny, imperfect steps towards creating the whole health we desire and deserve. You can find us at wholehealthempower.com or on Instagram at wholehealthempower. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.